You may remember this. Um, several months ago, we began a series in the book of Nehemiah entitled Revive, uh, looking at the idea of revival, not just personally in our life, but also to seek and to, to ask the question of what would revival look like in our church. And there was a statement that I made that I really felt the Lord laid on my heart, and, the, uh, and I said it multiple times over this series, and the quote was this. The best days of First Baptist Church Monroe are not behind us, but before us. Now, as, I, as those words just come out of my mouth, I understand that's a very big statement. Because our church has been a part of faithful and fruitful ministry for over 163 years. That's a long time. Uh, our church was founded in 1854, and since 1854, there's been a lot of faithful and fruitful ministries that's taken place. Uh, this is one of the things I've noticed that once I moved to uh, Monroe, and I would, many times when people would ask me, uh, you know, what do you do? I said, I'm the pastor of First Baptist Monroe. Oh, it's like I could never meet a person that hasn't been touched by this church. So many people have either been a part of this church or been touched in some way by this church, the ministry of this church. Many churches and some of the prominent churches in our area were started at, out of this church. This church has been part of uh, church planning. This church has been a part of seeing lives transformed for a long period of time. And so as I make that statement, uh, sometimes it's kind of like, man, I mean, there's been a lot of things that have taken place that have been good, faithful ministry that's taken place. But here's what I believe in the very depth of my heart. The best days of First Baptist Church are before us and not behind us. I believe that with everything that's in me. But as I say that, I, I'm reminded of this, is that as we think toward the future, as we think toward that we want our church to be a healthy and vibrant church for many years to come, understand this. That does not happen by accident. We don't just accidentally stumble upon and say, oh, guess what? We're just healthy and vibrant for the future. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by being intentional. And so one of the things we're going to do this week is we're starting this week, and it'll go uh, 10 or 12 weeks, and it's a new series entitled DNA, Building Blocks of a Healthy Church. And so this new series that we're going to begin is we're going to look at key components, key values, key things that we need to be, make sure that for years and years to come that we're healthy and vibrant for the kingdom of God. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to look at many different components, many different values that we say this is what we must value, this is what we must be about if we want to see our future be bright and vibrant for the kingdom of God. Now, let me say this before I jump into this morning and what the component and value will be this morning. And that's this. Uh, they're not in any particular order. Uh, it's not like when we get to the last week, it's like, well, that's just not very important because it's safe for last. All of them are essential. All of them build on one another. All of them are components of one another. So uh, if you say, well, I heard the first one, so I don't need to come to any more. Uh, we need all of these. Uh, and so all of these are going to be essential and important for our church. But I want to say this, too. And I'll do this at the end of every sermon. Is I really want to challenge us this morning. To be intentional about seeing these, things, seeing these things take place in our life, in our church. Because I believe if these things are a part of our life, and a part of our DNA of our church, then I know our future will be healthy and vibrant for the kingdom of God. So, take notes this morning. Here is the first component, and that's this. Healthy churches value and hold fast to the Word of God. Healthy churches value and hold fast to the Word of God. This is absolutely essential. If we want our church to be healthy and vibrant for years to come, we must hold fast to the Bible. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 14 and read through verse 17. 
Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writing which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I just have several points this morning that I want us to point out in this passage. Number one is this. The Bible is actually God's Word. Number one, the Bible is actually God's Word. The Bible is not some mythical book. The Bible is not some book that's just very old. It's not just some book that contains uh, fictional stories. The Bible that you and I have right here, this is actually God's Word. Everything that you and I read in it, everything that you and I, whether we read it, we hold it, we listen to it, everything in here is completely and utterly God's Word, and it's completely trustworthy and true. That's, I hope you see that very clearly this morning. And that's exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. Look at verse 16. I want to start in verse 16, and then we'll see what's around verse 16. But notice what he says at the very beginning of verse 16. He says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. He makes a statement, you could translate it this way, that all Scripture is inspired by God. In a sense, here's what he's saying. is All Scripture that we have is inspired and originated from the heart and the mind of God. Now, Peter says something also similar to this in 2 Peter. He says this, speaking of the Old Testament, the prophets that spoke and wrote down all the things that God said. He says this, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says is, is that every single person, all the different men that penned the Bible, here's what the Bible says very clearly. That every single one of them was carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote exactly what God intended for them to write. That when these men wrote down the Word of God, what they were writing down is the exact thought, heart, mind, and ways of God. And so when you and I read the Bible, we're not reading necessarily what men wrote, we're reading exactly what God wanted us to know. Everything that you read, it says this, it is inspired by God. Notice what he says before he says scripture. He says all. He doesn't say some. He says all. All of scripture is inspired by God. So let me say this. Every word, every phrase, every sentence, every comma, every chapter, every book is divinely inspired by God. It's not parts of it. It's not just some of it. Every single portion of this passage, every single portion of the Bible, we understand this, is divinely inspired by God. Now, as we think of this, as we understand this, there's some, things, some of the things we need to know is because of the Word of God is actually the very words of God. Here's what we know about this. There's two things. One is the Bible carries the character of God. Since the Bible is straight from God's mouth, that means that His Word is the same as His character. Now, here's what we know about God. God is perfect. God is true. God is right. God is just. God is without sin or, area, uh, sin or error. And God is completely faithful. So because God is these things, here is what we know. The Bible is these things. That because the Bible is the divinely inspired Word of God, here's what we know. The Bible carries these same attributes. Because of the author of the Bible. That means this. Everything that you and I read throughout the scripture is completely true. It's without error. It's completely trustworthy and faithful just as God is. Everything that we read in the Bible carries the same character as God does. 
Another thing is this, is the Bible carries the same authority of God. We know this, that God is the creator of all things, and because God is the creator of all things, here's what we know. God is therefore has authority and sovereign over all things. God is the king of everything. That God is set into motion everything, and so God is sovereign over everything. Here's what we know. Because of that, the same weight his word holds. It'd be similar to this. If back in the old days, if a king would have sent a message to a certain kingdom, he would have sent a letter by a messenger, and that messenger would have sent the letter. Now here's what we know. That letter hold, held a lot of power and authority. Now why? Not because the paper was special. Uh, not because the ink had something magical in it. It's because of who wrote it and where it came from. Because it came from the king, it therefore held power and authority. It's the same thing that we have with the scripture. Because this came from the very mouth of God, here's what we know. That this has complete and utter authority to tell us what's right and wrong. This has complete authority to tell us here's the way of salvation. Everything that we read in Scripture carries the same authority that God does. Why? Because this is actually God's Word. Here's what's scary, and I'll, I'm sure some of you are very aware of this. You realize we live in a day and age that everyone is trying to discredit the Bible. There are so many different people, you, and you encounter even more and more and more that would just say, well, you know, the Bible is just some book. I heard this of a pastor one day, and this, this was a pastor that I used to listen to, as a pastor I used to think very highly of. And all of a sudden this pastor comes out and says, you know what, the Bible is just really, just this really old book. It doesn't really speak into the culture now. There's just so much going on in our culture. It just doesn't carry the weight it did anymore. And so the Bible, it's... It's just not what, it's not really the divinely inspired word of God. It's just something that gives us good morals. It gives us good teachings. It has really cool stories in it. But that's basically all the Bible is worth. You realize there's so many people. Now, that's what they think of the Bible. It's just a bunch of cool stories. Uh, it's really old. And it really has no relevance for our life. As I was thinking about this, here's what I, I love that the Lord spoke this to me. You realize whether you believe the word of God is truly the word of God, it doesn't matter. It is. I love that about God. It's the same thing with God. Whether you believe God's God or not does not matter. He's still God. It's the same thing with His Word. You can discredit it all you want. You can say, well, you know what? I don't really believe that. You can have that opinion, but understand that it's still the Word of God. It doesn't matter what you believe. And so one of the things you see very clearly that the Word of God states over and over and over again is this point. The Bible is actually the words of God. You know, just as I say that, um, you know, some of the times I hear people say this, and I've said this before, I just, I don't hear from God much. You know, this when you read the Bible, you're actually reading the very words and thoughts and hearts of God. You're actually hearing straight from God himself. These are actually the words of God. I think sometimes, and, and I guess this is a problem with me being a preacher, that I'm dealing with the Bible so much, whether it's studying for a sermon or a Bible study, that I'm constantly looking at it, that sometimes I forget that I'm actually handling, not just a book, but I'm handling God's Word. This is actually His living, breathing Word. Here's one of the things that I think we need to see first and foremost before we move any further is this. We need to know this, that the Bible is actually God's Word. And because the Bible is actually God's Word, that moves us to our next point, and it begins to see, well, here's why this takes place. Number two is this. 
that the Bible is essential for the Christian life. That since the Bible is indeed the actual words of God, that we know this, that the Bible is essential for the Christian life. It's not just part of it. It's not just some of it. It is essential for the Christian life. Now, I want you to see this. He says this. He says, all Scripture, look back in verse 16. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and he says this, and it's profitable. I mean, what he says is useful. The Word of God is useful. It's profitable. And I'll say it this way. It's essential. Because of this is truly, actually God's Word, that means that this Word is not just profitable. It's also essential for our life, for our Christian life. Now, there's several things that what Paul does here. Is there several different ways of, to illustrate. Here is why it's essential for our life. So if you want to take notes, here's a few things that he says. Look back in verse 14. He says, here's why the Word of God is essential for the Christian life is because it leads to the way of salvation. It, it points to us how to be saved. Look at verse 14. It says this. Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So he's calm to remember. Stand fast in what you believe, what you've learned. He says this, knowing from whom you learned it. Most likely, uh, Timothy, if you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says this. It says, I'm reminded in verse 3 of your sincere faith, the faith that first dwelt dwelt in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. So he says initially, he says, remember where you learned this from? He says, you learned it from your grandmother, you learned it from your mother, and most likely we understand this, he learned it from Paul. He says, remember who you learned it from. And he says this in verse 15. He says that how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When he says that you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, what he's talking about is the Old Testament. He says, from an early age, your grandmother and your mother has instilled to you and read to you he's, no, no time, he's stories and things he's heard from the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And here's what he's saying. It's because you've been grounded in the Old Testament, here's what it's enabled you to do. It's provided you a foundation to understand and to see that salvation is in Christ. He says this, and we know this, if you remember the story in uh, Luke chapter 24, Remember where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, and he's on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember when he looks back at the Old Testament and says, Do you realize everything was pointing to me? Everything that you read about was pointing to me. And here's what Paul is saying is that because you've been acquainted with the Scriptures, because you know the Scriptures, here's what it's been able to do. It's been able to provide you a foundation to point you to salvation. Scripture is essential in the life of the church because it points to us the way of salvation. I understand this. I did not say that Scripture is salvation. But Scripture points to us the way of salvation. I want to read this passage to you. This is out of John. It's interesting that Jesus says this to the Pharisees. Now, remember the Pharisees, they knew everything about the Bible. Many of them had the whole Old Testament memorized, which is crazy for me to fathom. It's hard for us to memorize anything. And they had memorized basically the whole Old Testament. Listen to what he says in John chapter 5. He says this to them. You search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Isn't that interesting? He says this. You think just because you know scripture means that you have eternal life. That's not true. He says eternal life is in me. And here's what the scriptures do. is They are pointing constantly to me. Scripture very clearly lays out the plan of salvation. You can start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. And all that is pointing to salvation is only in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't do anything for it. You can't have enough money. You can't pay for it. It is strictly by the grace of God. 
It's what we just celebrated in Christmas, that God in His grace sent forth Jesus Christ to be born into this world. He lived a life that you and I could not live. He lived a sinless life. And He willingly offered Himself on the cross. Died the death you and I deserve to die. Was resurrected on the third day. And Scripture very clearly says, as anyone who places their faith in the risen Savior is saved. For now and all eternity. Scripture very clearly lays out where salvation is found and is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That is why it's essential that the Word of God must be central in the life of the church. Whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, whether it's in life groups, whether it's home groups, whether it's in student ministry, whether it's in children's ministry, this is why the Word of God is essential is why? Because it lays out clearly the way of salvation. How do we know where salvation is found? It's through the Word of God. Clearly lays out the plan of salvation. This is why it's essential for the Christian life. Because it lays out and leads us to salvation. Second is this. Is it leads us to right teaching and right instruction. Notice what he says in verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable. And he says this. For teaching, for reproof, for correction... And for training righteousness. He gives four different words to say this is the scripture is essential for our life is because of what it does. It, it leads us to right teaching and right instruction. Notice it says four different words. Number one, he uses this word teaching. Brings about the idea of this is the Bible is essential for us to have right teaching and right doctrine in the church. How do we develop right belief? How do we develop the right belief system? How do we develop the right doctrines that are necessary for the church and for life and for God? How do we develop those things? And the Bible is very clear. It's through teaching. This is how we know exactly what we're called to do. This is how we know what we're to teach as in a church. Now, let me say this very clearly. I feel this weight, and it's one of the things that makes me nervous every single time I enter this pulpit. And it's not because I'm nervous because I look at your faces or anything like that. I'm nervous because I know that I'm going to be held accountable for every single word that I say. And my job and one of my requirements as a shepherd of this church is to make sure that the word of God is faithfully preached. That as the sheep are fed correctly. That is why, and we do different series from time to time. Obviously we're in a series right now. But this is why the bread and butter is to walk through books of the Bible. You may say, James, why in the world would we just walk through a book of the Bible? Why? It's because this is where right teaching comes from. I mean, uh, let me say this. If this is truly the word of God, why in the world would I want to preach anything else? This is exactly what God has called us to preach. It's the same thing, not just in preaching, but in teaching. In everything that we do, any ministry that we have, here's why the word of God is to be essential. Because why? Because it gives us proper teaching, proper instruction. Another word he uses is this. It's profitable reproof. Now, this is the opposite of teaching. This is more of correcting, in a sense of this is the idea of rebuking that which is false. In a sense, what he's saying is that the Word of God is essential for teaching us right things, right doctrine. It's also essential for showing us what false doctrine is. You realize there's a lot of, and obviously all around the world, you realize there's people all around our nation right now that teach a doctrine and a word that's contrary to the Word of God. There's many people that are in pulpits. There's many people that are evangelists, people on TV. There's people all over that they teach something that is completely and utterly false to the Word of God. How are we going to know if it's false or not? 
It's by correct teaching which helps us to rebuke that which is false. Let me say this. I'm not going to name any names, but I want to say this. You resist that every single person, just because someone stands up and says the name Jesus and opens their Bible, that doesn't mean they teach right doctrine. There's a lot of people in our world that use the name Jesus, that open their Bible, but teach everything that's exactly opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Scripture speaks many times that there's going to be false teachers and there's going to be people that deceive. You know what deception is? It means you're not going to know. I mean, that's what deception is. Deception is you think it's right, it's just wrong. There are many people that are being deceived right now into believing something that's not truly the Word of God. That's not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that's weird to do. Here's why we're to stick faithfully to the Word of God and preach the Word of God. This is essential for our life. It's because why it helps teach us what is false. To avoid us going in a, in a false direction. To going down to false beliefs that we have no business going down. This is the Word of God. It does this for us. It helps us to reprove or agree that which is false. The next word is it usually says this, that it's for correction. Now this speaks more toward... Not like corporate correction, but more of individual. That it individually is to correct us. Here's the word that really you can translate this way. Is the word of God is to straighten out. So we can say this. If you ever heard, I remember I heard my dad a lot of times when, I guess before I would get whipping uh, when I was a kid. He said, son, I'm about to straighten you out. <laughs> and, uh, that was usually not a good thing. I, I never liked my dad. I, I never liked to hear that from my dad. I'm about to straighten you out, son. Well, that's exactly what the Word of God does. It straightens us out. It shows us where our error is. It shows us where we're living in sin. It shows us what we're doing is wrong. Uh, and I've said this before you too, preaching. I don't know if you've ever had this. Have you ever read the Bible and you're like, I wish God didn't say that? Uh, you know, I read things, I'm like, I just wish that was not there. Because that would make my life easier. Because this, everything in the Bible is there for a purpose. God intended it for us. And here's the reality. Here's why we need to constantly be hearing the full counsel of the word of God because it calls us out. That's why I need to constantly be in the word of God because it says, it reveals, hey James, you know you're selfish a lot of the times. You walk in sinfulness at times. It calls us out. It helps straighten us out. This is why the word of God is essential for the Christian life because it shows us what's right and wrong. I love this. Uh, one of the greatest passages on the word of God is Psalm 119. The longest passage in all the Bible. And notice that it's dedicated to what? The word of God. It says in Psalm 119.9, it says, How can a man, young man, keep his way pure? By guarding according to your word. You know how to guard your way? How to make sure you don't walk in error in your individual life? It's by guarding it according to your word. According to his word. The last word that he uses is this. He says that it's profit for teaching, for reproof, for correction. He says it's for training in righteousness. It is able to help you live rightly. It's able to train you that just as a child, and I'm, I'm learning this, just as a parent has to teach a child how to do right, I have to learn that, very why it is that my daughter knows how to say no and not yes. And we'll ask her, hey, do you want to do this? No. And it's like, well, you don't get to tell me no. I tell you what to do. And you don't tell me what to do. So I'm having to straighten her out. I'm having to tell her, like, that is not how you do it. You know, I was, cursed, uh, there was, I think it was yesterday, she was talking about, you know, it was bath time. I said, all right, time to get a bath. She was like, no. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if you say no or not. You're getting in the bathtub. That's just part of it. We have to teach them right behavior. Well, similar to this, that's what the Word of God does. It trains us in right living. 
It changes us how to know what is right and how to live rightly in this world. This is essential for teaching and instruction. And lastly, we see this as essential because it leads to maturity. Notice what the very last verse he says is in verse 17. He says that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now when he uses this word, he uses the word complete and he uses the word equipped. And they both are the same root word. So here's why he uses two of the same words. Because he's trying to exaggerate to say this. Those who know the word of God are super equipped to do good works. In a sense, what he's saying is this, is those who hold fast the word of God are more than enough equipped to do exactly what God has called you to do. You may say, how, do, how am I going to be equipped to do what God has called me to do? It's by the word of God. And it's not just, in a sense, to know what to do, but also a lot of it is just remembering who it is we serve. It's as God calls us to walk out in faith to remember that our God honors faith. Remember that our God is faithful as we step out in faith. Our, the Word of God teaches us those things, and it helps lead us to right maturity. I know I've, as I structured the sermon, I know I hadn't get a lot of little illustrations or funny jokes or anything like that. But here's what I hope you see. I hope you see this very clearly, that the Word of God, that the Bible is actually His Word. And I hope you see this too, is that the Bible is essential for the Christian life. Absolutely essential. As I was thinking about our church and moving forward in the future and what God has for us, I, I know this. I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's doing now. I'm excited about what God has for us in the future. But here's what I know. That if we want to be healthy and vibrant for the kingdom of God for years and years and years to come, we must hold fast and value the word of God in our church. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. I just want you to think about it. and uh, So here's, here's, since you're not answering out loud, you can be honest. Okay? I don't want you to give me what you think I want the answer to be. Okay? I want you to be honest. Do we, as a church, truly value the Word of God? Do we, as a church, truly value the Word of God? I'm not saying do we have it, am I stating it, do we have it on a poster somewhere. I'm saying really. Like if someone were to walk into our church, would they see that we hold fast and value the word of God? Let me ask you this question. And this question may dig a little deeper. And it helps us answer the first one. Do you personally value the word of God? Not do you think you, do, do you personally value the Word of God? Here's why I ask that question. Because if we want our church to truly value the Word of God, that means the people have to value the Word of God. Because what I'm saying is, the church is not a building, it's you, it's me. And here's the question, if you and I don't truly value the Word of God, how in the world would we expect our church as a whole value the word of God. So let me ask you a series of questions, because you may say, okay, well, how do I know if I value the word of God? Let me ask you a few questions. How do you know if you truly value the word of God? Number one, do you consistently read it? 
Do you consistently read the, read the Word? Number two, do you consistently study it? Personally, but also as we gather together. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have home groups. That's why we have, that have Bible study. That's why we have student Bible study, children's Bible study. Do you on a consistent basis study the Word of God? Number three, this is the question I don't like. Do you consistently seek to obey it? It's one thing just to read the Bible. It's another thing to actually do it. Do you consistently seek to obey it? Number four, do you consistently seek to align your life with what it says? Many times what we do, and you see this in our culture, is everything's relative. It's kind of like, what do I like and what do I feel? And I just fit things to fit my life. That's not what we do with the Bible. The Bible is not a thing where I can mold it to fit my life. It's rather I mold and fit my life to align with what it says. Do you seek to align your life with it? Number five, do you consistently seek to know God more through His Word? I was convicted this week. Uh, all week, this question has been looming in my mind. Do I value the Word of God? Last night when I was going to sleep, we got all the kids down. I was laying in bed about to go to sleep. And that was the question that just kept running through my mind all last night before I fall asleep. Is James, do you truly value the Word of God? Here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. And I want to call you to this is that if you were a believer in Christ Jesus, if you were a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you that this year you would truly begin to value the Word of God in your life. It wouldn't be something that you say. It wouldn't be something that somebody asks you, hey, do you value it? Oh, yeah, you sure. You would actually begin to value the Word of God in your life. And understand this. Please understand this. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip. Because here's what I know about a guilt trip. It doesn't work. I mean, I may can make you read the Bible for a little bit. But understand this, I'm saying this, that you and I will truly, deeply value the Word of God. And so there's three things I want to call you to this morning. And I want, as a response, I want to call you to do these three things. Number one is this. Do you know Christ? Because understand this, for some people, the reason why they don't have a desire for the Word of God is because they don't know Jesus. To truly have a value of in hunger for the Word of God begins with this, knowing Christ. There's no way you're going to value the Word of God if you don't know Christ. It starts and it begins there. So I first call you this to examine, do you know Jesus? Are you following Jesus? That's where it all begins. Second, I want to call you to this. I want to call you to pray. To begin today, pray this prayer. God will give you hunger and a desire for your Word. That's one of the things I've been praying for myself all week. Uh, it's one of those things that you know, I say, well, James, you're a preacher. You are looking at the Bible literally every day of your life, uh, whether it's sermon prep, whether it's Bible study and stuff. And, and I might say this, look, I, I, I love, love, love. I have, I think I have a very high view of God's Word. But it convicts me every single time I read Psalm 119. I, I read it and I listen to this young psalmist talk about his love for the Bible, and I'm like, Goodness gracious, that guy hungers and longs to know and follow and walk after the Word of God. And I'm like, God, I pray that you would give me that same desire. That's what I want to challenge you to. Pray. 
Pray and ask God to give you a desire to read and find His Word. Here's what I know about that prayer. I guarantee you God will answer that prayer. You may say, well, James, well, that's bold, man. I mean, you're going to say that you're going to guarantee that God's going to grant that prayer? Yeah, I am. Why? You realize that's what God desires? God desires for you to know Him through His Word. God desires you to read. God desires you to walk after it. God desires you to align your life with it. And so I believe this, and I know this with all my heart. If you pray and say, God, give me a desire for your word, here's what I know. God's going to give you a desire for his word. Number three, I want to challenge you this, is that this year you would read your Bible consistently. You would read your Bible consistently. It, obviously, and you probably heard this from many pastors, it seems very easy to just read your Bible. I recently was looking at a study from LifeWay, and the statistics are really startling uh, about how many people that claim to know Jesus actually pick up the Bible on a consistent basis. It's not very many. Here's what I want to challenge you to this year. Is I want to challenge you to consistently read the Word of God in your life. So how do you do that? Well, here's what's awesome is that now, well, it says hopefully you have a Bible don't have a Bible, then there's Bibles in the pews. You can just take it. It's free. You can have them. If you need another one, we'll get you more. Start to, obviously, you have to own a Bible. The good thing is if you have a phone, it's on your phone now. Uh, you can actually read it on your phone. Here's what's awesome. Is you can go to the internet or if you have the Bible app, there's literally so many different reading plans that you can start to read the Bible. Now, let me say this, too. A devotion is not reading the Bible. I love a devotion. I have a devotion plan. It's called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. I read this almost every day. I love it. But here's what I know. That supplements my Bible reading. It doesn't substitute for it. That's just to add on. So I'm saying just because we have devotion books, that does not mean that I'm reading the Word of God. That God calls us to read His Word. One of the things that I, I did this last year, I offered you a, a Bible reading plan called the F260 plan to read. And this year I have a new plan. At the end of the service, I'm going to show a quick video about this plan. And this plan is called the Read Scripture Plan. And here's what I want to challenge you. This is the plan that I'm going to do this year, and I would challenge you to do the same. This is one, I'll say this, whether you know the Bible very, very well, or if you say this, James, I don't really know the Bible well. Uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I just don't understand. No matter where you are on the spectrum, this plan's for you. Here's what I love. Through the whole year, you're going to read through the whole Bible. You're going to read and get a, a knowledge of everything that's from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But here's what I love. They came up with these really creative videos on YouTube. And these videos intro every single book to give you a whole summary of each book to understand so you don't get lost in that book. It gives you the main idea of the book. It does this awesome illustration. Uh, here's how you can get the plan is there's an app that you can download called Read Scripture. And so I would encourage you, it's already on my phone, I've already downloaded it. You can download the Read Scripture app, the videos, reading plan, all on there. You may say, well, James, I don't maybe know how to download an app, or I don't have a smartphone. Well, we actually have downloaded the plan, and it's on paper right out there. And so we have the plan already in paper, it's already in a pamphlet, so you can grab one of those on the way out today, and you can begin reading your plan. But here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for my life. Is that our church and every single person in it would begin to value and hold fast the Word of God? I want you to listen to what the Word says, and then we will pray. It says this in Deuteronomy. This is when 
Moses is looking out and they're about to enter the promised land. Moses instructs him about why they are to hold fast the word of God. And he says this, as you look into his word, he says, be sure to follow this word because this word is your very life. And by these words, you shall live. Jesus, you remember when he's being tempted for 40 days, he looks out and he says in response to Satan, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Peter says this the very in his book, and he says this quoting the Old Testament, and he says this All flesh is like grass, all of its glory are like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God remains forever. There is nothing more worth our time, our energy, our effort than to value and hold fast the word of God. 